0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose. Impact is where your unique best self meets the world and contributes to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Nancy Noel. From the prestigious National Museum of Women in the Arts in Washington, D.C. to a remote village in Africa, Nancy's work has inspired millions. Her artwork hangs in the homes of world leaders like Oprah Winfrey, Mikhail Gorbachev, and Robert Redford and Marianne Williamson. Once told as a child that she would never amount to much, Nancy has far exceeded those early expectations publishing nine books and painting subjects from the Amish in America to endangered tribal peoples of East and South Africa. So welcome to the podcast, Nancy. I'm so glad to have you here. Thanks, Ursula. It's my pleasure. So tell us how you came to be an artist after, uh, and and you're doing work in so many different ways that uh, people perhaps aren't aware of, but maybe tell us a little bit about your path and how you came to to be at this point in your life. Well,
1: um, I was born into a family that was um, very um, focused on academics. Um, my most of my family went to Cornell, Harvard, so on. And I had, um, and I'm one of six children. I'm second oldest of six children. Um, and I had, I had, was severely dyslexic. And back then, they didn't know what dyslexia was. And I was, my parents were told that I should be put in a special needs school, but my mother was pretty determined that she was going to find that there was nothing wrong with me. And so they were just looking for anything that I could do or excel in. I did excel in sports. Um, you know, I learned to horseback ride and I learned to sail. Our, our family were big sailors. I learned to ski very well, but I couldn't read. And um, I was put in a special group uh, that would tutor kids I don't long time ago you would have special tutors I know you have tutors today but we were singled out then which is I think a really bad idea yeah because it only made my situation worse True. but sure. uh, I couldn't read even the smallest like c-spot run was difficult for me now I can read um, I can't uh, sound out any words interestingly so a word has to be in my memory bank for me to to be able to say it sometimes I can look at a word and I know what it means but I can't actually say the word because I can't get the letter straight. Now, when you're, when you grew up with a mind like that, you don't understand that other people see things differently. You, Do you just assume that you're, I guess stupid because you're going
0: to listen to what everybody is telling you. But well, and you're in a school system that is wants you to do certain things in a certain way, and if you're if you find that challenging, it's it's tough for those kids. You're
1: you're absolutely right. And what I found too back then, I went to all Catholic schools, is the the teachers um, they didn't like it when you didn't when you weren't a good student because they took it personally. Hmm. So then they 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 would basically abuse you when you couldn't get something. And so I was really probably voted the least likely, likely to succeed wow. um, in my class. But I had a brilliant teacher, a sister who is in, that I had in seventh grade, and she was principal of the school. And she posted outside the classroom in the hallway where the entire school could see it, her class. And she would put stars by kids in her class that excelled in certain things well what she did was that she found things that i excelled in which at the time wasn't much but she would find anything that i could do and put a star by my name that's great so what yeah it was it was brilliant it was brilliant brilliant, brilliant. because if you tell somebody they're stupid they're going to and they and they go along with that then that's what they're going to create in their life sure, most sure. likely and um so she tried to create a whole different vision of myself, and with the children in, in, in within me, but she also with the other children, so people could look and they could see all these stars by my name. And sometimes in a, in a on a test, she would overlook mistakes which were real obvious, and uh, she'd say, "Oh, I could see how you think that," and instead of marking it wrong, she would say, "Oh, you know, I I I, I can see where you're going with that." So she was always giving me the benefit of the doubt. So that was my first breakthrough. In in eighth grade, she I had her in seventh grade. In eighth grade, I can remember a teacher saying that not to be too discouraged, that I would probably never, you know, really accomplish a lot in my life. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether I was determined at that point to prove them wrong. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that, that was why I have excelled. I think uh and, and, and for a long time people would say, you know, how did you get to where you are and was it all the people that put you down? were you just determined and And my answer today is absolutely not. It's the people who picked me up, yeah
0: well, and what an amazing story for people who aren't fitting into some slot or box that is easily recognizable that people can have these extraordinary talents that are just waiting to be awakened and having someone who is you know willing to see that, willing to look for that and and show it. To you, I mean, what an extraordinary thing to do for someone.
1: There's no question that I do what I do because of my dyslexia. Not only was my path chosen because it, it forced me to focus on my talent because I couldn't do a lot of things the other kids could do. Um, my art has given me the opportunity to travel the world and do pretty much whatever I wanted to do. Um, I had a group out here the other day we have a disabilities program out here at the farm Hmm. and we had a a group of adults that supported disabilities programs and they wanted to see my farm and see my studio and so forth and one of the kids that came along was a boy he looked to be about 18 something like this big tall kid and his mom they were listening to my story they were asking me how I began painting and so forth and so I told them and she said and I happened to mention I was dyslexic and She said, oh, my son is dyslexic, because my my son is dyslexic, and he was standing there, and I turned to him, and I said, congratulations, you know, (laughs) there there are no accidents, so you're going to achieve things that other people can't achieve in your life, and I really do think that if people could see that there are no accidents, and people are brought into this world for a reason with certain of what we consider disabilities, I consider them now gifts, and they celebrated those gifts, we would get oh my God, we'd be so much further along
0: Yeah, what we would learn from these people. What, and what an amazing gift for him to hear you say that and to share your story.
1: Yeah, it was, it, was, it really was. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So I know that the work you're doing, you're, you're an artist, you're continuing to produce and create work, you're exhibiting and you're um, working with this disabilities program and you also have a school in Kenya, I understand
1: uh-huh can you uh, tell no, us the yeah tell us about well, that this school i i it was always my dream as a child to go to africa and um i even though i was very attached to animals and animals were a huge focus um when i was very very little i think it was the tribes that i really wanted to paint and i could only imagine what they were like and i had the opportunity in 1986 to go there and then in 19, um, uh, I want to say 89, I went back, uh, with a guy who was a very influential with, um, a who was president of Kenya at the time. And, um, he was a friend of the leakies and so on. So I got kind of an open door. He loved my artwork. Um, and in one of my visits there, I made many visits there. Um, one of my visits there, I was looking for kids to draw, and they took me to this little tiny hut with about sixty kids out in the middle of a bunch of bushes really we We call it the bush in Africa mm-hmm. and it was and the kids were when I got there, they started singing to me, and I was just I just thought this is the neatest thing I've ever seen. 15 years later, we now have 275 kids there. The, the, the school is very well known in the area. Um, it's been a major part of my life. Of course, the gifts that I give them don't hold a candle to the gifts that I receive from these kids. But what I did was that I was smuggling money to them at first uh, to expand the school, because this was when the AIDS virus was very active. This is a this is an area on Lake Brasinga where there's a lot of uh, transport coming and going. So there was a lot of AIDS, a lot of orphans, and no one at the time, there was no place for these little kids to go, or be taken care of when they'd lose a parent or the other parent was working. These kids, these tiny, tiny kids would be home by themselves. So um, I met this woman at this this little hut, and she said to me as I left that day, Uh, you're the first visitor to our little school. And it was literally a tiny, tiny hut. Mm -hmm. I can't even say. It was probably a, the the hut was probably 14 by 14. And if you can imagine, 60 kids jammed into this little hut singing to me. And I said to her, uh, she said, since you're our first um, visitor, we're going to name the school after you. So, (sighs) she, you know, that was it for me. And a lot of people visit Africa and they say, "Oh, I'm going to send money. I'm going to do this or that," and they never do. Mm-hmm. And I did, um, and it has been an amazing journey for me. That whole thing.
0: That, so that whole experience of being in Africa. I know the, the I've done work with young entrepreneurs in South Africa, and it's uh, the singing is so much part of the culture, and the the richness of the experience for for me and for you as as people who are are there contributing what we can, it's just extraordinary. So
1: It is, you know, They and it's an exchange. It's, it's a constant exchange. I wanted to know how do these kids live? I remember I went to South Africa one time and I wanted to go into the worst of the worst orphanages where kids were dying of AIDS because I wanted to know how do these kids do this? You know, how does a parentless child die alone in an orphanage? So, actually the mandela foundation helped me and they took me into some of these orphanages and in the worst of the worst places i saw joy
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and i was kind of amazed so it was a whole uh, it was a whole educational and gift um to me to go into these places and you know i think the media sometimes has an, has uh, paints a really horrible portrait and not that that's not going on but Africa is an amazing continent mm-hmm. with amazing people that are kind and the kids are so grateful for any little thing that you do. So it, i found it amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things that your your school serves as is a, a sanctuary, a safe place. And I, I, I found one of your quotes where you, you talk about the school and you say, love is the only thing that changes things. What do you, what did you mean by that? Well, it,
1: it, it's the only thing that really gets people's attention and it's what people crave and it's what people want. And, um, it, it, it really does. It, I mean, hatred doesn't change anything. I guess it maybe changes things for the worse, but love, you know, people really respond to it and it does change everything right now. Um, as our school is growing, we've tried to keep it from growing too big. But now what's happening in Africa is that you're finding homeless kids. A long time ago, you never found found a homeless kid. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't, you know, some family would take them in. Then the AIDS virus came along. There were a lot of superstitions around the AIDS virus. And um, maybe they would take you in and maybe they wouldn't, but you'd always have refuge. And now what's happening is one of our our buildings, I built actually three schools there. One of the buildings that was abandoned for uh, classes, now homeless kids are coming in there. And we won't turn them away. So we are looking for a way to be able to support that new group of homeless children. It's really sad. It's a very, very sad thing. Mm-hmm. So we're we're also doing a water project for the community. But you know, anytime any woman goes out and does this, or a man goes out and does it, the gifts that they bring back,
0: um, they're priceless. Yeah, absolutely. I I think about the kind of basic things that we take for granted, and all those things are, are can be absolutely life changing in in a different environment. And that exactly, yeah. So clean exactly. water, for example, yeah, exactly. Well, Nancy, what are the i mean the the impact of the work you're doing in in Africas is, uh, is clear and the and the work with the the kids um in disabilities what what do you feel is the impact of the artwork that you do what do you feel how do you feel that that is making a difference in the world?
1: Well, people tell me, and I can only go by what people tell me People tell me that it it gives them great comfort um it inspires them um you know my i have a whole series of what i call i guess my angel series and i think when i first started doing it people were interpreting the the as little angels flying around or something and that is not i ended up doing my children's books uh as a result of one of my horses dying that's kind of a long story but the angel series really is just speaking to our, our spiritual nature. I, I personally believe that we're spiritual beings, you know, and I'm sure you've
0: heard I'm this you. many
1: times, yeah. inhabiting a physical body. Right. Uh, I do believe that. I think our real force in the world is our energy. And I, 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 I think people still don't quite get that. I think this is one of the reasons that people do relate to my work is because somewhere in the fog or the sleepiness that, a lot of people are living in they do believe underneath it all that we're spiritual beings they just don't know how to they don't know how to integrate that thought into their lives and there's not a lot well i guess there's more and more support now around that whole feeling that we're spiritual beings than there ever was before but that's really what the angel series is all about we're spiritual that's i mean we're spiritual beings
0: mm-hmm. and um well, I think people like Oprah Winfrey have kind of made that more mainstream. Yeah. So it's a way of thinking about your spiritual nature that people hadn't considered before. And I'm I'm totally with you. I, I think people are affected. Whether or not they're conscious about it is another question. But I think people are still affected by the energy of things.
1: Yeah, they're not conscious. When I had my gallery here, uh, my my gallery space, which is an 18th century church, Victorian church is for sale. It it really needs to be an event space. And we did a lot of events there as a gallery, but I would say on on a good day, average day, we would have about 200 visitors from around the country. And uh, I would say a good 75% of those people were in tears as they strolled through the gallery because the gallery had this kind of spiritual and the people would, People would say, "I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know," and we would say, "It's okay. Everybody cries when they come in here." And again, I think, I think it was just we have a desire to, I believe, to be for our spiritual nature to be to surface and to be known, and our pain to be recognized. And I think, um, and, and our and our greatness to be recognized as well. So I think when people get into the environment where beauty is celebrated, that's another thing is I think people are just losing, you know, there's not a lot of beauty <laughs> now in the world of art. It, no, there is, I, sh- I, I I take that back, but it's it seems to be harder to find hmm. um, in art and literature and in movies and so forth. The real beauty is being lost. So uh, I don't know. I think that this is why people became emotional. But I also think it's the energy that I put into my to my work. I know I'm not alone in the, in my studio. I can. I know I'm inspired to do certain things, and I do pray for that inspiration.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, when I realized what I was doing in the studio and that I wasn't that I was actually channeling uh, most of my work. I started to embrace that. And when I embraced that, then my work just became easier and better. And now when I have an idea for painting, I just do it. I don't question why or, you know, uh, how is it going to be? How long is it going to take? Nothing. I just, I just do it. Start painting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are are there other things that you do that help support your, uh, your practice and your, your spiritual self? Are there things that you do? I either, um, energetically or physically, that help support you in, in maintaining the energy for the work that you do.
1: Well, for me, I I live on a forty acre farm, which I bought in um, a high end horsey area years and years ago. I could see that this area was going to be uh, a growing area, and the land was going to be valuable. So many years ago, I paid very little for forty acres that is pretty valuable right now. And I take every blade of grass uh, seriously. And I'm grateful for it. I walk down to my studio, uh, which is on the 40 acres and I have llamas and horses, which we use in the disability program. And that I ride, we have trails and so forth. I have a pig that lives in the house. I have actually
0: two pigs (laughs) that
1: are, yeah, that are, um, that have a bedroom kind of off of my bedroom. It's an indoor outdoor. I have, um, I have a llama that lived in the house for two years that was abandoned, and so I raised her in the house, and um, she was housebroken. The pigs are
0: housebroken. I have a parrot up here. I I had no idea you Mm -hmm. could housebreak a llama. Pigs, I knew They're
1: they're just like cats. They want to go to the litter box. And um, She lived in the house since she was 10 days old, and she still comes in the house, but she likes to eat the fruit off the counter, and she's about... 375 pounds now. So great. And she thinks she owns the place, but we, we used to take our llamas to, um, uh, hospitals and hospice and nursing homes and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, out of the 10 years that I used to do this on a regular basis, I think we had maybe one or two accidents and they were because I wasn't paying attention. The llama was trying to say I need to go out and I was talking to somebody or something, but they, they are an amazing animal um if you treat them properly and you know how to raise them they're affectionate they're loving they're obedient they're not mean we also have an emu that's very interesting i rescued uh, from my um from a reptile show and she's ended up being one of the funniest animals uh, (laughs) just brilliant so what i do in the morning is i get my pig out i have a great dane and i go down and see the emu and i walk down to my studio and this keeps me Uh, grounded and also my disabilities program out here keeps me grounded and grateful. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's probably the big inspiration. Do I meditate? I think I meditate when I paint. I'm I'm assuming I get kind of get into the zone and hours can go by and I, you know, don't realize how long I've been in the studio. So do I wish that I could sit down in the morning and meditate? I do. And I'm kind of, that's in my mind that I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that. and then when i'm riding on my horse i um i feel like i meditate i'm just kind of in the zone i'm i try to keep myself happy 99% of the time
0: well that's and a great space to be in
1: it is it's
0: uh, yeah i'm very blessed to have it well and it's so it's largely self created isn't it it's not about circumstance as much as it is about what goes on within you
1: it is you know for a long time i just thought oh i'm so lucky i'm so lucky and then it's just probably in this last decade that I've realized that I was the one who actually thought about this when I was a little girl and actually created my reality here. Um, My animals are all, all my animals get along. I don't care what kind of animal it is, even if there's a predator with a, or a natural, natural predator uh, with an animal that they would ordinarily prey on. They don't hear at all. And, people always comment on what a peaceful place and how all the animals get along. And I do think that I created it and I think anybody can create it.
0: I think anybody can create it if they know how to create it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nancy, one of the things that I, I often ask people about in these interviews is, um, and I'd love to kind of get a little bit behind the scenes in the, the business behind the work that you do in, in terms of how, how do your values inform your business? How do they show up in every aspect of your business? Because it's my belief that impact is based in how people, um, what people hold as important and that's what comes out of them in, in ways that may be conscious or unconscious, but when you're conscious about it, you can really have a lot more impact. So uh, what, well, what values, yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, well, this is, a, this is, um, Interesting because I I was actually thinking about this the other day. I sent some things to a little girl who had been um, fighting leukemia for about two and a half years in England. And um, I got a beautiful video in return from her parents, a beautiful Mm -hmm. letter, um, uh, some insight from her. We're working with a hospital here. We're putting, we're printing some of my angels actually on pillowcases in the palliative care unit. Yeah. Here in the hospital, because, because of politics, Uh, uh, religious politics and so forth, they've taken all the kind of spiritual um, um, what do I want to say Uh, images out of hospitals, so people who are losing children and who are sitting by their bedside in the worst times in their life are looking at uh, Big Bird and um, (laughs) and not there's anything wrong with Big Bird, but you know, they're look, looking at superheroes over their IVs, right. and they're not. There's no. There's no. There's nothing that speaks to our spiritual nature, and these people are. The, they're going through the worst times in their lives. Mm-hmm. So there's a doctor here in Indianapolis uh, with Riley Hospital that has said, you know, we we need to we need to change this. He actually worked with Mother Teresa for a few years, and um, so they've come to me and said, you know, how can we? change this we're just going to so we're going to put some of your angels up and so the first step is putting some of my angels on pillowcases but this little girl uh, when you saw her letter the one from England and I do this often not every day but I do it often if somebody's in trouble or somebody you know reaches out to me they're usually getting something free from me Mm -hmm. so I said to my 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 assistant i said this is why i I do prints of my work because couldn't possibly reach all these
0: people sure uh
1: if i didn't do prints of my work because i do have several pieces now in my collection that are museum quality pieces but being in a museum has not been even though i was in the national museum uh in washington dc it hasn't been a focus of mine it's been more a focus of mine to use my work to heal people. Mm-hmm. And um, and as a gift to me, one of the things that has come back is not only thousands of letters from people saying, you know, that I saved them from this or saved them for that, or they went through a divorce or they lost a child, and if they focused on my art, that, you know, it got them
0: through the worst of the worst, which is a huge gift to me. Yeah, what an and, extraordinary uh, thing to hear back.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, and then... There's a whole series of things that have, that happened or that have been happening. Uh, for instance, um, a woman came in one day and her entire house had burned down. And the only thing that was left was my picture on the wall. Wow. Uh, you can see where the fire had gone up to the picture around the picture and burned everything, but it had not touched the picture or the wallpaper apparently behind the picture. That's incredible. It's... and then there was a woman whose car, uh, rolled down an embankment and was about to go into a ravine which would have absolutely washed her car away and probably killed her and it stopped on this little twig and the windows were blown out and the car was completely demolished and in the back seat under glass was one of my paintings that she was taking to her daughter that was not you know was in perfect condition unharmed Hmm. and um Another one was where they lost everything in Katrina, and the only wall that was standing was the wall where my picture was. Now, wow. I didn't have I didn't have anything to do with these things. True. Uh, it was I, I, it was just a calling card. So you know, the spirit world was just say, saying, "I'm here," because he, all these images happen to be, I think, angel my angel images. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- those are the gifts that I get back. Those are priceless gifts. I mean, I couldn't possibly if I, if I didn't put my things in the print and make some of my things affordable to people and, and my books and so forth, I would not be getting back what I
0: get back Yeah. Um, from what I do. That's amazing. So, has, has that kind of feedback, has it changed you in yes. some way? How? Yes. Well, it's made me more of
1: a believer in the power of energy. Um, as I would go along and wish for something, like, oh, I wish I knew this, or I wish I knew this. or Like, for example, I remember uh, I, would, I came out with a book called I Am Wherever You Are, uh, which is sold out right now. But we're thinking about putting it into another reprint. And uh, I knew that I needed another book, which would be a book to support people who had lost children. And But I didn't know what happened on the other side. I just didn't know, you know. I wasn't sure. This was. I think I know a little bit more about what happens on the other side, you know, once you cross over. But, but I, I was complete, you know, I, I was completely unaware, and I wanted to be a little bit more sure before I came out with this book. And um, not that this book was going to tell people what happened on the other side, but I needed to have more faith about it. And so uh, I started to think about it, and my son was playing with a a child whose mother I didn't like. Now, why I didn't like her, I have no clue. I, I have no memory of that at all. But I know she would come over and drop her child off. I didn't say two words for to her. She didn't say two words to me. And this kind of went on for several months. And then I started thinking about this book that I needed to produce. It had nothing to do with her. And um, I didn't tell anybody about it. But I was waiting for some sort of answer from the universe. Am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? I need this information. I don't know where to go to get it. And this was many years ago. So my son walks in one day after playing with this kid, and he I was sitting, I can remember I was sitting on my bed. It was kind of late afternoon summer afternoon, and he threw two books on on the bed, and he said, "Oh, Mrs. so-and- so who course, this woman that I didn't like sent these over. Thought you might like to read them. I had never said two words to this woman. One of them was called "Always Karen," and which was about a a, a, a little girl who had crossed over and then came back to her parents through a medium. Hmm. And then another one was "The Here and the Hereafter," which I'm sure you've heard of.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so I read both those books, knew exactly what I was supposed to do, and published my book within. I mean, literally weeks after that. Huh. So if you if you want the information, if you want any information, you just you'll just be given it. Yeah. If you just if you just know that the information is coming, the universe is going to provide it at well, the exact time you
0: need it. I love that you just connected with that with such clarity, and then took immediate action. It wasn't let's mull it over for a while. Yeah, that was a cool experience, but I'm I'm not. I'm too scared or I'm going to hold off or whatever. It's great that you just plunge in and, and do something with it right away.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, so many people have these ideas and then they just, they have, they just don't do anything with it. Even if you just start in a small space. When I was in when I was in college, let's see. Yeah. When I was in college in Cincinnati, I signed up to work in a, in an orphanage. And back then they actually had orphanages, you know, they, they do in other parts of the world. They didn't, they, they don't have them anymore in the United States, but they had them. And that was really my first desire to want to, I, number one, I wanted to see how the other, uh, other people lived when they were dealing with a situation that I didn't know anything about. I traveled with a SWAT team here in Indianapolis for about two and a half years. And we would kind of do this thing in the middle of the night where we would go into homes and, we would do drug raids on these houses and a P and P and they gave me a uniform and everything. Wow. And, uh, I, and people would say to me, why did you do this? Well, because I wanted to know what made these people tick who were, who were dealing drugs. I wanted to know how they lived. What were the children in the house? Like did they have animals around. What did they li- do? You know what I mean? How did they lie? Why did they do this? So that was my motivation. I trade my artwork for uh, experiences. I went on a uh, incredible rhino capture in Africa. I went on an elephant capture Mm. uh, in Africa where we treated elephants. It was a very dangerous situation. I kind of was. I kind of gravitated to danger anyway. But it, um, you know, I've swam with dolphins. I've been with whales. I've been with gorillas. You know, I, I just constantly a trading. My artwork for an experience—that's the thing that's most important to me.
0: Hmm. That's a—that is really interesting to hear that you do that, and and that it's—it's it's a way for you to access something that you wouldn't otherwise necessarily be able to. It's yeah, some, exactly. Yeah. my
1: artwork has opened many, many doors for me. Yeah, okay.
0: that's amazing. Well, um, is one of the things that I think is valuable to for people to know is that, well, you have this amazing career and you're doing these things all over the world. And it's not just a smooth path. Is, is there a way that you deal with adversity or, um, an obstacle that, uh, has really helped you moves through, moves through it? Well,
1: to, uh, have you ever heard of Abraham Hicks? Oh yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's how I deal with stuff. Mm-hmm. I always, I try to take the high road. I try not to think about, what I don't want. And actually, I'm, 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 uh, I'm more aggressive about this the last, I would say, five years. So if something's going on in my life that is not working the way I want it to, then I turn on my Abraham Hicks video <laughs> and I listen to Abraham Hicks. And pretty soon I'm thinking about something that I want to happen instead of what I, I'm i feeling that my reality is. I also find that sometimes when you say, I have a I have a, um, a painting called um, Rude Awakening. And it's about the fact that when you really think things are really going wrong, things might be really, really going right. <laughs> and you're just not seeing the whole picture. So,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, what choice do we have, really? I mean, really, what choice do we have? We can either gravel around and what am i doing wrong what is you know how come this is turning out this way it's not the way i wanted it to be i mean the only way you can turn that around is with your own energy and you can't worry about what anybody else is thinking or doing you, you just have to turn your energy around and if you can turn your energy around usually the situation turns your t- turns around and i find if you can if you can face it with love forgiveness i know that sounds like Okay, old news, and I've heard this before, but if you can, if you can really figure out how to integrate that into your reality, if you can really forgive somebody that's pissing you off or whatever, um, it just works so much. It just feels so much better, works so much better. Well, life just works so much better. Yeah. Well, there's a reason
0: we keep hearing it. It's because it's it's a universal it truth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah.
1: I can tell by talking to you, Ursula, that you
0: get it. I, I do. And I, I mean, I, I'm do. so interested to hear that you use Abraham Hicks, which for people who listening who may not know about it, it's it's really a perspective on the world that's very spiritual and energetic. So you talk about an energetic shift, really, that happens yeah. when you're dealing yeah. with a problem. It's, it's about... As you said, focusing on what you want to have happen, and that uh, that can really turn things around. So I'm obviously abbreviating it like crazy, but um, that's uh, just to, to fill people in a little bit. But well,
1: Wayne Dyer said just before he passed away uh, that it was the most um, it was the most uh, what, is, what word did he use? It was the most powerful information on the planet today mm-hmm. and i i agree with that not that i have all the information on the planet but uh i was led to it years ago and i actually didn't get it years ago and then you find yourself you know that your life has changed for some reason my life changed when i got a divorce about 20 years ago and i knew that i had to make account for something i was raised catholic didn't believe in divorce and it was inevitable for me um and uh, that's when my spiritual growth really took off. My artwork took off. Everything took off.
0: Mm, so, yeah, that's um, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I that kind of practice is so powerful about really being conscious and mindful about what you're thinking and exactly. bringing that into your awareness because that, that is what makes a huge difference. I think we're sometimes not very disciplined about that. And it's, uh, it's to our detriment. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know, you
1: have to, you have to look around. I also read a book. Uh, Have you heard about a book called happy pocket full of money, but it's not about the money.
0: I read that book. I read it a number of years ago. And for me, it's the best book ever about money that I've read. Isn't it great. I, I, I actually was going through a really uh,
1: difficult time and I thought, uh, and a friend of mine said, Oh, you need to read this book really literally in the middle of the book, I could feel my energy sh- just uh, just shift. Mm-hmm. And as soon as my energy shifted, I got a huge invitation from some people from Aspen and then some people called from Florida. And I mean, just almost instantly, things started to kind of turn around. Um, and it wasn't necessarily about the money. I was just I had just worked my mind had just worked I had just worked myself up into this story that we tell ourselves that that usually is not true. It's just not true. And yeah. all I have to do is sit anywhere on my farm just for one moment and look around me and see the faces of my animals and uh, enjoy whatever it is, you know whether it's flowers or snow or whatever. And instantly I can turn everything around because all I need to say, what there's nothing wrong with this moment. And I've kind of raised my kids to try to do that when they're having a hard time. Stop and think, is there anything wrong with this moment? Usually there's not. Usually there's not. I'm not saying that's always the case. Mm-hmm. But usually there's not. It's usually the the problem is the story that we've told ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and like all great books, it's it's about it's not ostensibly about the topic. It's about the everything. It's about the energy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Nancy, the the way that I've been wrapping up the, uh, the podcast now is with a rapid round of three questions. Or so if you're, if you're willing, uh, should we give that a, a run? Sure. Sure. I hope I can answer. <laughs> I'm sure you can. So the first one is what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact?
1: Uh, I would say, follow your bliss.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, Joseph, Joseph Campbell, if you're doing what you want to do, I, I love being around children who can teach me something and I love giving back. So, uh, like for instance, the work that I'm doing at the hospital now, I mean, I'm not getting paid for that, but it's the thing that's making me the happiest. I certainly don't get paid for my work in Kenya. Um, most of my support for the Kenya school has come out of my pocket um, for about 15 years, um, but it's you know to me it's about I, for me to follow my bliss is being able to do something and change the lives of other people in a positive way and inspire them whether it's through my artwork or
0: my action or whatever I do. So yeah. that's that's my bliss. That's great. So next question, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Never give up. (laughs) That's great. And the last one is, what's one piece of advice that you would share with, with somebody else who's saying, I want to have impact, I want to make a positive contribution in the world? What would you say to them? I would say start
1: somewhere. And if you think about it, I mean, if you focus on it, focus on what you want to do. Don't worry about how you're going to do it. An opportunity will present itself. And don't overlook even the smallest opportunity because that could lead to something huge that you don't see coming.
0: That is great advice. And i uh, the smallest opportunities can lead to things you just don't know what's going to happen down the road. So Exactly. Yeah. Nancy, thank you so much for sharing your stories and your experiences. Uh, your energy is a great force in this world. So I really appreciate you in the various aspects of the work that you do and, and uh, what you bring. So thank you for, for being here to talk about it.
1: Well, thank you, Ursula. And the same, same uh, goes to you. Thank, thank you for doing great.
0: what you do. Thank you. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: Uh, Well, my website is N-A-N-O-E-L dot com. And uh, usually people uh, go to my website and then there's a place where they can get in touch with me there or through my assistant, Kathy Perley, which is K-P-I-E-R-L-E at N-A-N-O-E-L dot com.
0: Okay, great. Well, my name is
1: Nancy Ann Noel. I always sign my name. N.A. Noel when I started out as an artist years ago because I wanted people to think I was a man <laughs> uh, because men were the ones that were, uh, you know, successful in the art world. Right. And
0: so that's, I signed my
1: name, N.A. Noel. So that's
0: Nancy yeah. N.A. Noel. That's great. And that's the name of the school in Kenya as well, right?
1: Yeah. N.A. Noel, Noel School. Yeah. School.
0: Uh-huh. That's great. Well, Nancy, thank you again, and thank you for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you, Ursula. Thanks for having me. Join us for more episodes, subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.